Let me mention to you about the uh, daily breads. I forgot to mention that earlier. They're in the back uh, beginning March uh, coming up this week. So you want to pick those up before you leave today so you can keep your devotional uh, time and life going. That's very, very important. Also, if you have your Bible, let's raise that and let's share our phrase that we do weekly together. I'm a child of God. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, would you speak to me? In Jesus' name, amen. How about a high five to those around you? Punch your, pound your neighbor, punch your neighbor, whatever you need to do there. Yes, sir. All right. Well, be careful about putting that Jesus in there. Great. We're looking forward to it. All right. And we're a little behind the eight ball and getting it going. So, but uh, we pray that you'll help us and we know God will help us and he'll, he'll get it going. We got, got some uh, set things to build and just a few things. So, any of you interested in that, be sure and see Jeannie after church and uh, let her know. And uh, it's going to be a great uh, little program. She showed me pictures of one they did in the past, another church, and just looked really, really impressive. And looking forward to that. Easter Sunday's coming up the uh, second Sunday of April. So, boy, it's a, to be honest, before we know it. So we uh, we need to get on this one pretty quick. All right? So if any of you are interested, please let her know after church. All right. Who is on the Lord's side. If we were to ask you, who's on the Lord's side? Would you raise your hand and say, I'm Him? Alright, I'll just ask you. Who's on the Lord's side here today? <laughs> Let's see if I could prompt you enough to get that right answer out of you. Alright. I want us today to look in the book of Job. So, in your Bibles, if you would turn there to Job chapter 19. We're going to look at the first 29 verses. I know you're going, oh my goodness, we'll be here until 1 o'clock. No, not quite. Only 11, 1258. Just, just. And in these verses are two that I want to focus on, uh, probably more than the rest, but these two really are the benchmarks for what I really want to say this morning. They're verses 25 and 26 of Job chapter 19. So if you have that, it would behoove the preacher, I suppose, to get it in front of him, wouldn't it? When I went to college, I'll never forget <laughs> the uh, professor in Old Testament history asked us to turn to the book of Job. And I, I had no idea where it was. And I had no idea what it looked like. 
And uh, later I heard a guy describe his experience not knowing Bible things. And he said, yeah, I thought Job was Job, Psalms was Palms. And he said, when he said Habakkuk, I just knew he was cussing me out in Hebrew. So, you know. But Job chapter 19. I don't know, maybe you felt that way before, but I sure have. All righty. Verses 25 and 26. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will take His stand on the earth, even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God. Well, those are powerful verses, are they not? Have you ever felt yourself trapped by life? Believing that it just cannot get any worse? Well, the character of our story today, Job, was there. His wealth was demolished. His children were struck dead. And even his own body, afflicted with disease and unbearable pain. He believed that the only thing left for him was to die. With life, his friends and seemingly God were against him. Job was questioning, who is on my side? You and I often ask that same thing. And the answer is found in God's redemptive work in the life of Job. And ultimately, in the life of Jesus Christ. I want us to look at the first 22 verses. Let's take a look at those. Chapter 19. Then Job responded, How long will you torment me and crush me with words? These ten times you've insulted me. You are not ashamed to wrong me. Even if I have truly erred, my error lodges with me. If indeed you vaunt yourselves against me and prove my disgrace to me, know then that God has wronged me and has closed His net around me. Behold, I cry violence, but I get no answer. I shout for help, but there is no justice. He has walled up my way so that I cannot pass, and He has put darkness on my path. He has stripped my honor from me and removed the crown from my head. He breaks me down on every side and I am gone. And He has uprooted my hope like a tree. He has also kindled His anger against me and considered me as His enemy. His troops come together and build up their way against me and camp around my tent. He has removed my brothers far from me and my acquaintance are uh, acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have failed and my intimate friends have forgotten me. Those who live in my house and my maids consider me a stranger. I am a foreigner in their sight. I call to my servant, but he does not answer. I have to implore him with my mouth. My breath is offensive to my wife and I am loathsome to my own brothers. Even young children despise me. I rise up and they speak against me. All my associates abhor me, and those I love have turned against me. My bone clings to my skin and my flesh, and I have escaped only by the skin of my teeth. Pity me, pity me, O you, my friends, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you persecute me as God does and are not satisfied with my flesh? 
Oh, that's a depressing section of Scripture, isn't it? You ever felt like that? You see, Job had sunk to the pit of humiliation. Job's friends attributed Job's suffering to his sin. Even accused him of of not knowing God in chapter 18 and verse 21. And as Job argued and he constantly proved himself righteous, but neither logic nor scoring debating points against his human opposition brought any comfort to Job because God continued to remain silent in the face of his suffering. And we can feel the intensity of his pain. As I read verse upon verse upon verse, vividly he described his feelings and being entangled by a net, walled in by a fence, set on a dark path, stripped of his crown, broken into rubble, uprooted like a tree, counted as an enemy under siege by armies. Job plummeted to the depth as low as he had thought he could fall. Now Job found that he had fallen even lower. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like you were lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut wearing a top hat? I don't know where I heard that, but that's a great one. <laughs> whoever, I, whoever said that, I give you credit. But Job, he sunk. He was in a pit of humiliation, crying out for pity from his friends. But then we see it turn. And that's what I really want us to see, is that it's one thing to get into the pit, it's another thing to stay in the pit. Because God then can bring us to new heights. And picking up at verse 23 and going through 29, it says, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book that with an iron stylus and lead, they were engraved in the rock forever. And then our verses that I want us to focus on again. And as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last He will take His stand on the earth even after my skin is destroyed. Yet from my flesh I shall see God whom I myself shall behold and whom my eyes shall see and not another. My heart faints within me. If you say, how shall we persecute Him? And what pretext for a case against Him can we find? Then be afraid of the sword of yourselves for yourselves. For wrath brings the punishment of the sword so that you may know there is judgment. Job sunk to the pit of humiliation, but as we can see in our, the rest of our verses, he then ascended, rose to the pinnacle of faith. When Job hit the bottom, he slowly and painfully looked up. I love the song that the imperial sang years ago. He didn't bring us this far. To leave us, he didn't teach us to swim, to let us drown. 
He didn't build his home in us to move away. Oh, that's, I love that song. Because you see, there's the whole thing. He didn't bring us this far. He didn't, he didn't call us to His Son Jesus to leave us alone. To let us flounder and die out there. Perhaps for the first time, Job had to deal with the shock that he may not live to see himself cleared of all the charges of his friends. So he then looked ahead. You see, when calamity is around you and, and, and troubles face you greatly, you may not get to see the end of those. So look ahead. So look ahead. In Don's friend Gary, we've been praying for him. Prayed for him one time and the cancer was taken away. Or at least in remission, it's come back. And so what do you say? Is that Gary doesn't have faith? Oh, not so. Because Gary's faith is far beyond this life. Amen. You see, that's the beauty of being a Christian. Is that our faith doesn't rest here. Our faith is over there. And that's where we want to go. What's that old song we sing all the time? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up. Somewhere. You got it. Or the fav my favorite one is, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. You got it? Yeah. Takes big wings for some of us, but that's all right. My God is able. Some of you just need little bitty wee-wee wings. You don't need big wings. Some of us need big wings. That's all right, because our God is able. Amen? But you see, our faith, our faith needs to be found in the Lord, and sometimes we get into the shock of seeing our circumstances and we just can't move past them. So don't worry about them. Let's look forward. And that's where Job went. He went forward. And he reached the very depths of despair and he cried, For I know that my Redeemer lives and He shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh... I shall see God. Woo! <laughs> yes. So let the world beat you up. Let the world beat you up. Let Satan believe that he has whipped you. Only to smile at him. And he will say, but I'm going to take your life. That's when you smile bigger. And you say, glory to God. Because I will see him face to face. That's a faith from despair to glory. But there's three things I want you to see from these two verses. In the words that Job states in verse 25 and 26, first of all, you see conviction. Conviction. Despite troubles, he says, I know, I know. I know. When I look at my wife, I know that she loves me. For 30 years, she has put up with me. It's true. For 30 years, she's put up with me and my shortcomings and my weaknesses. And 
She still loves me in spite of it. And I love her. I heard a guy when I was young, when I was in my 20s, I heard a guy say to me, boy, listen, as your years together number, your appreciation and love for each other will grow. Well, at 20, I had no idea what that guy meant. But in 30 years, I'm beginning to understand. I love her more today than I did 30 years ago. Because she loves me in such a way that's so unconditional. And that's exactly the way Jesus loves us, is it not? He loves us with all of our warts, with all of our struggles, with all of our problems. He still loves us. And the greatest promise He's ever given us is that I'm going to take you to heaven. So just relax. Take a deep breath. Just relax. It's going to be all right. I remember when Brother Dudley was in the midst of this struggle. Eight, nine months he's been struggling with his hip and, and therapy and hip and therapy and in Geneva, and he's been, he's been struggling over there now. And that works both ways. <laughs> but you know, there was a time when he was just struggling in his faith. Because you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and God doesn't seem to be answering the prayer, and you wonder, what is going on? But God reassured him in his faith. And he stands today to say how powerful the Word of God is and how powerful God is and how great the love of God is because he quit focusing on him and started looking to others. That's when it happens, isn't it? When you can look beyond yourself and beyond your struggle and begin to see the lives and the struggles of others that you can try to help meet their needs, that's when it changes. I would encourage you to do that. But you see great conviction. He says, I know... You see, Job joins Isaiah in the sixth chapter in the first verse when he describes sitting or coming to the throne of God and seeing the Lord sitting on His throne. In his most depressed moments, he had questioned if there was any life after death. If you go back to chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. But here in these passages, when he was even more depressed, he was convicted and convinced of the truth. The second thing I want you to see from these passages, not only is conviction, but I want you to see salvation. Job said he saw his Savior. The word redeemed is the Hebrew word goel, which means vindicator. Oh, I like that. I like that. He's a vindicator. It was the nearest next of kin whose duty it was to undertake the cause of his kinsman and defend him. Job saw in heaven that there was one who would acquit him of all charges. Earlier, Job has looked for an arbiter or a mediator who would plead his case, and now he knows that he cannot stand before God in His own righteousness. His blameless behavior is not enough to redeem Him. A brother is the only hope. There is a brother who is willing to shed his blood in order to vindicate Job in the future. Dimly but surely he looks to and sees the atoning work of Christ. But his eyes of faith remain open and his eyes still see yet more. It says, He shall stand at last on the earth. 
His vindicator, His hope will come in flesh and blood. He will accomplish what Job's friends have failed to do. He will bring comfort and peace. In these passages, the incarnate Christ will come and work that work of grace, living and dying to redeem His people. Handel composed the Messiah in 24 days. A servant came in as Handel was writing the Hallelujah Chorus and found the composer weeping. And when he could speak, he explained, I think I did see all heaven before me and the great God Himself. The great chorus is immediately preceded by the soprano aria, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Not as clearly as Handel, but as surely Job too saw all heaven and the great God Himself. And he knew that he had a Redeemer. And then thirdly, I want you to see conviction, salvation. And thirdly, I want you to see eternity. In my flesh, Job says, I shall see God. Job knew that he would live beyond the grave Job saw his future linked to a mediator between God and man. He saw, however dimly, Jesus atoning and resurrected. In Jesus, we find the complete fulfillment of what dawned upon Job in the midst of his darkness and which shone as a light of hope and confidence. The one who ever lives came into an earthly life, stood upon the dust for us, and argued our case on the earth by taking our place, fulfilling our roles. If you have time later, read Hebrews 7, 1 through 25. He even died our death and was raised from the dead and argues now our cases in the courts of heaven. The worship team comes back to help me close. Missionary Rosalind Goforth remembered hearing her grandfather tell about the time he was lost in the woods. He and his cousins, when they were small, were out playing when they became hopelessly lost. And after trying vainly to find their way out, the oldest child, crying, gathered the others around and said, when mother died, she told us to always tell Jesus if we were in trouble. Let us kneel down and ask Him to take us home. They knelt and prayed together and then noticed a bird lingering close by. When a child reached out to it, it hopped away, but not too far. Soon all the children were chasing the bird, which flew and hopped before them. And then suddenly it flew into the air and away. And the children looked up to find themselves on the edge of the woods and in the side of home. Are you in despair today? Do you feel like you've hit rock bottom? Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, lives. I want to encourage you and invite you in just a few moments to respond to Him. You see, Jesus loves you. Loves you with an everlasting love. He died on the cross so that you could have life, have it abundantly and eternally.
no matter what sin you have in your life, His blood is sufficient to cover you. And so if you find yourself in despair today, if you find yourself struggling today, if you find yourself identifying with Job in the pits of despair, may you also remember that your Redeemer liveth. Your Redeemer liveth. Father, we come this morning asking You to touch our hearts. Would we open our spirits to You and let You in to our hearts? And Father, would You move in the people today? Move in Your people today. There's a number of folks in this building who've known You as their Savior for so long they've lost count. But at the same time, Father, they might have become complacent in their walk with You. There is so much to be done, so many needs to be filled, so many people to be reached and touched. Father, if we forget our theme and why we're here to seek and save the lost, if we forget that, then Father, let's lock the doors because there's no reason to have church. So Father, wherever someone finds themselves today, would you respond in their life? And if they need to respond in a public way, we stand ready to assist them. And we'll love them just the way you do. Because that's what we're all about. Someone needs to make a need, Father, to make a decision, has a need to discuss. Would you move on them today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have a decision to make, would you make it as we stand? Oh, to Jesus.